to Robin and Joa Save the World, One Book at a Time, a spoiler-free podcast sponsored by the good folks at Koros Books. That's Koros with a Q. This week, we welcome new sponsors, Connor's Goody Bag, to the podcast. Located in the greater Orlando area, friends, Connor's Goody Bag has all you need for gluten-free and keto-friendly desserts. Oh my goodness, check out the website. They look so delicious. www.connorsgoodybag. That's Connor's with two N's. Friends, if you're battling celiac disease, if you have gluten intolerance, if you're doing keto for the first time or the 20th time, go talk to Laura and Brian at Connor's Goody Bag. Tell them the Robin and Joel podcast sent you. Hello, everyone. I'm Joa. And I'm Robin. Welcome to the Robin and Joel podcast, where this week we are discussing a wonderful book entitled Amari and the Knight Brothers by B.B. Alston. Quentin Peters was the golden boy of the Rosewood Low Income Housing Projects, receiving full scholarship offers to two different Ivy League schools. When he mysteriously goes missing, his little sister, 13-year-old Amari Peters, can't understand why it's not a bigger deal. Why isn't his story all over the news? And why do the police automatically assume he was into something illegal? Then hmm. Amari discovers a ticking briefcase in her brother's old closet, a briefcase meant for her eyes only. There was far more to Quentin, it seems, than she ever knew. He left her a nomination for a summer tryout at the Secretive Bureau of Supernatural Affairs. <gasps> <gasps> Well, Joa, what did you well, think? Well, well. Don't kill me. I didn't finish it, but not because I didn't like it. Um, because Same. <laughs> <laughs> because I had a I had a, a, a going away thing yesterday, and that kind of took away uh, the extra four hours I was going to put into finishing it. So, but, okay, so let me give you my first impressions, though. So... In that scene where she is taken away, it reminded me a little bit of Peter Pan. And I don't know if oh. it was because the whole ship thing. I don't know if yeah. you get the same impression. And um, and a little bit of Alice in Wonderland kind of thing with the ticking stuff. And it was just, it, it seemed very magical. And I love it that the author brought that kind of um, magic into into the environment that the main character is from, right? Which seems urban, low income, which is something that I'm I'm used to because that's where when I immigrated to the United States, that was the environment that I was in. So yeah, so I I, I like it that she kind of she used that that contrast of those two environments and melded it together and mm -hmm. to make something magical. I, I really appreciated that that aesthetic that she used. Mm -hmm. And um but I mean, I think I know where the book is going and how it's going to finish. Nevertheless, I still want to finish it, you know, because I want to see how it all ties together, how the author makes things tie together. But um, she touches on some very important subjects in here, you know, while making it a children's book, a middle grade book, a fantasy middle grade book at that. And I'm always appreciative when it comes to that. I believe his pronouns are he, him, the author, I believe. Okay. All right. Is Just it? So okay. Know. Thank you. I, I said so. she, huh? I always envision an author as being a she. That may be my bias. Yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah. Actually. I kind of <laughs> love that, actually. I'm sorry. No disrespect to the author. No okay. problem. No yeah, worries. Him, him. <laughs> but yeah, what do you think? What, what, what were your thoughts? Did you have that same impression as well? Love the book. Great impression. Did not finish. Didn't get halfway through. Just busy. Uh, and and this happens. I also had some weird things come up. Uh, you know, sometimes life just makes fun of you and mm -hmm. goes, "Oh, you thought this was fine." <laughs> <laughs> Silly you. I had a bunch of weird things come up that needed uh, immediate attention, and uh, just a real number of them too. And some strange experiences in my IRL. So there you have it. I didn't finish the book. Generally, I do. But this week, I didn't. And um, ah, life happens. I will in the future because this is a lovely book. And the, this is an interesting book that is 
ground it's it's ground in reality mm-hmm. but then has elements of fantasy and to my mind elements of sci-fi which i mm-hmm. think is kind of wonderful and it's yeah. middle grade and that it has question, mystical creatures in there too yeah I don't know if you got to the point of where it has werewolves and it has all these other, you know. I am not there. No, okay. The the whole question, (laughs) it's a a very, very legitimate question. Why isn't there more attention? Why aren't more Mm -hmm. people paying attention when her brother goes missing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love it, love it, love it. Going to finish it someday. Don't know when. Um, Yeah. So, you know, in life, Joa, sometimes the government says, hey, what about this? And sometimes the work building says, what about this? What about We're going to need extra, yeah. extra. Yeah. And then sometimes your family says, oh, chaos. Oh, everything's yeah. wrong. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then your tiny, little, three-legged, two-and-a-half-pound cat, <laughs> who is a teeny, <laughs> tiny cat by any measure, decides to go Hercules and jump out the window. Oh, goodness. Oh, Joa. Uh, okay, so here's my saga, my saga of the week, Joa. It's cat, <laughs> it's cat stories with Robin. I've officially evolved into a cat lady. Dun dun dun! I need a cat theme song. That is for sure. I love I'm, it. I'm gonna write a cat theme song. There you go. Put that on the notes. Mm, there I go. So <laughs> I just look out my kitchen window. La la la. Let me get some water because you know in Ireland, you don't drink the bathroom water. <laughs> look for a book. Hey. <laughs> There's a book I wrote. So I'm getting some water in the kitchen and I look out the kitchen window and I see my cat outside. Oh no. My cat does not go outside. My cat does not go outside ever because I live in a rural area and you may not know this, but brown eagles are a native species to Ireland. And we also have all sorts of hawks and falcons and vultures and mm-hmm. birds of prey. Very common. So my cat is in grave danger. <laughs> And I am freaked out because my cat. You didn't put on your cape. I needed that cape. (laughs) Let me tell you. But luckily I had the presence of mind to get a tin of food. Thank goodness. Because I was worried my cat would run away from me. You know, three legs hobbles at slow speed, speedy at fast speed. So I was worried she'd run away. And um, I, I lured her with the food. and My husband collected her. And she was struggling, like she was struggling, like, (laughs) like she belonged out there. The problem is that my cat did live outside. My cat is not quite feral. That would not be accurate, but she is wild. She spent her entire early life and she's still very young outdoors, unattended, doing whatever she wanted. And that's how she ended up a three-legged cat. So that wasn't necessarily (laughs) a huge success, friends, but, uh, okay. So then the next day, the next day, the next day. Now we're living in a in a hot box because we don't open our windows anymore. Um, windows in Ireland tend to be casement windows, which open out. So very easy for Kit Kats to jump through. And we don't have screens in Ireland. Screens are not a thing because we don't have a lot of bugs. We have some bugs in the summer, but not a lot. So... Now we keep all the windows closed, right? Now we're kind of paranoid. So somebody comes to the front door. Okay. I take the cat. (laughs) I put her her in the living room. I close the living room door very, very strongly. I close the living room door. It's closed. I'm chatting. I unlock the front door and I'm chatting with the person at the door. The census taker. Every five years in Ireland, we have the census. And it is my census taker. Hello, census taker. How are you? My cat. (laughs) My cat goes shooting out the front door. Oh, God. <laughs> Joa, this has become a cat podcast, and I have no regrets. I regret nothing. I I just, and, and you got to feel bad about this because the poor census taker, like, doesn't know me and is just here to count. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my cat. <laughs> count that one. Count that one, too. <laughs> But was she not a dream? She ran defense and she blocked my cat from yeah. going the wrong way toward the yes. road, up toward the road. And uh, and I caught up with my cat. And boy, oh boy, when I tell you, I was like fed up with my cat. I was 
you get in the house and you stay there. You think about what you've done. Yeah, you think about what you've done. You sit on that chair and think about oh, what you've done. Oh my goodness done. gracious. And so now I even asked on Twitter, what can I, help me please, friends? What can I do? If anyone has any advice, what to do about a cat that lived most of its life outside. That's the essence of the issue. And Aww. now is an indoor cat and is a three-legged, very tiny indoor Aww. cat that any bird of prey could easily scoop yeah. up. I mean, every bird of prey. There's real danger here for her. So what do I do? I ask humbly. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Jackson Galaxy doesn't have issues. You know, Jackson Galaxy is the guy with My Cat from Hell TV show. Oh. Cat Daddy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't talk about this. Tell me what to do, Jackson. I suspect I may try to, this will be a nightmare, put a harness on my cat and walk her outside a little bit each day. Yes, maybe. Yes. We we did that with um with Escondida who we we also found outside. Well, my husband found her. You know, she was living underneath a car and and um and he scooped her up and stuff like that and he rescued her and we we did the 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 little cat leash on her so that way she can enjoy the outside and get that curiosity out of her because she was very curious about outside and um she did bolt it on on me a few times. Did it, it helped once you had her on the leash and were walking her outside with the harness? Did it, it help her not to bolt? Yes. She doesn't um, do it anymore. Ah. Um, yeah. It took a few times and now we try to uh, take her outside on the leash and she just splats down. So she doesn't want to walk anymore on the leash. Oh. Yeah. But at first she was very curious. She was like, you know, wanting to smell everything and things of that nature and um, yeah, so I don't know if that's what it takes to, you know, to get them to get that curiosity out of their system, you know, or the jitters or the zoomies to go outside out of their yeah. system. It may yeah. be it. Yeah. I'm no cat okay. person. Like I am a cat person, but I'm not a cat expert, I should say. You know, I just kind of, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> so, <anyone? laughs> they're so unique though. Mm. And I keep telling my husband, I was like, because when he rescued Escondida, we was going off of Escondida as if uh, as how we did Lento. But they're two completely different cat, two completely different personalities. They're kind of like human beings. Lento is chill and relaxed. Escondida is freaking ferocious. She mm. is out this world like you're going to pay attention to her. You know, while Lento is just, you know, happy just chilling in a corner, you know, and and that's it and he'll come to you whenever he needs cuddles. But Escondida is all over the place. And she sounds like she's a 200-pound man going up the stairs, up and down the stairs. <laughs> she is so heavy-footed, you know. And I told you before, our cat, our, our house makes noise. So sometimes my husband and I look at one another. It was like, there's no one in the house. You know, the kid is in school right now. You know, is at college. And, and we know there's no one else but us. And then it took us a while to figure out that that was Escondida going up and down the stairs. Not a ghost. Escondida. Oh, my goodness gracious. Boy, yeah. ferocious. You see, you look at my little Kit Kat, who I can hold in one hand, like oh. literally. And you think, oh, so sweet, like a little teacup kind of little kitten almost is what she looks like. But she's ferocious. She's ferocious. <laughs> and you can really get a sense that she lived outside on her own because she's quick to, uh, let's say, establish boundaries. Yes, <laughs> yes. She's hyper independent, her. you know. Yeah. I, I love that about her. She really is hyper independent. Yeah. That's, yeah. But you know, okay. Robin, when, when more on this cat episode, right? This cat, we should call it a cat pod. This is a cat pod today, right? Okay. So when you was telling me about your kitty cat, I was like, I couldn't help it. But like this book came to mind with mm. the title Almost Feral and being a children's book, a picture book, a picture children's book with a three-legged cute kitty, you know? Find, finding its way back home, you know, after living outside for a while, but finding itself back to its family that adopted her. That I think that would be a cute book. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Almost feral. <laughs> I love that. Almost feral. I want to write feral. all the books. Yeah. Joa, I feel like I could write about a book a day. I, yeah. I, 
I know this is a very common thing with writers. I I feel like I could write a book a day. I just need a printing press like right here in the house. Yes. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I was thinking about the same thing. And someone to run it. We we may not be good for one another because I think we like we just give each other more ideas than what we already have. <laughs> we egg each other on yeah. and overcommit until we're burnt out. And, oh, uh, yeah. too familiar, <laughs> too familiar, too familiar. But yeah, yeah. No, I mean I see it. It'll be cute. cute I love cute, that cute. almost yeah. feral, almost feral. Yeah. Now we I can just that. find an illustrator. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> The book is writing itself. Really. Yes, the book is writing itself. Yeah. Almost fit. Speaking of books writing themselves, Joa. Yes. <laughs> that, was, that was scary. Ooh, that was scary. I'm a little scared. Uh, I'm, I'm, afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid. Oh, this is me being feral. No. I like I like that's pretty feral, I would say. How is, where are we with Mrs. Franchi's evil ring and the six months that changed everything by Johanny Ortega, a.k.a. our Joa? Oh, I'm still waiting. So I looked at the oh, contract think- and it's, no, it's on March 25. When, <gasps> um, oh, I am sorry. When the so edits now- come back. No, oh, it's okay. Because I got the, the date more- wrong. The more that I wait for the edits to come back, the more projects I get myself into. And I Uh-oh. think by the time <laughs> by the time I'm done, I'm gonna have, you know, I'm I'm part of another anthology already, you know, one that is a thriller themed anthology. And long and behold, my husband reminded me how I have already written something in the thriller genre about two twin sisters, one in the military and one not. You know, and um, they have to solve something at the end. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And I looked for that story. And long and behold, it's there on my Dropbox. So now <gasps> all I have to do is edit it and turn it in for this anthology. Yeah. Ooh, love that. Yeah. So I, that I think that's the good thing that I've written so much already. And I just mm-hmm. left it in the in the computer that, you know, I can just like pick one, edit it you know, turn it in and, and all of that. So, yeah. So now I'm going to do the edits for that one as I'm still drafting this other one. And I was going to ask you some questions about um, a research hangup that I have right now when it comes Ooh, to drafting hear. the other one. Yeah. Here. I just, I'm trying to look for meanings of stars. That, that That's where I'm kind of, I'm, I'm hung up on and that, you know, cause I'm trying to see, what what did the stars mean? And I'm doing a little bit of research because this is a, a book, a manuscript that takes place in El Paso. Uh, the last one, um, Mrs. Franchi's Evil Ring and the Six Months That Change Everything takes place in Massachusetts. Massachusetts is um, the place where I went to and I did high school there. So it, it holds a, a near and dear place in my heart. And um, so I like writing about places where I've been and where I lived. And El Paso is the other place that has a, a near and dear place in my heart. And it's where we were settling down and bought our forever home. So I'm drafting a book set here in El Paso. And I just, I wanted to see what did the, what did the first inhabitants of El Paso thought about the stars? Because the, the main character that I have here, she's very introspective and and she looks to the stars almost as to to help her answer like those questions that she's going through. Uh, this character is 12 years old and I'm just trying to do a little research um, when it comes to that as I'm drafting it, because if I don't do it like that and I do research before drafting, I get stuck on researching for like two months and not draft anything. So that's why I usually just start drafting things. And um, that's where I'm stuck at when it comes to that. You know, what did the stars say before? Before we knew anything about anything, you know, that's like a poem. That yeah, sounds like a poem. What yeah, it's kind of this- like a poetic. It, it has it has more of a subdued theme, you know. While Mrs. Franchi's Evil Ring is a, a loud book, this one is more of a of a quiet, subdued, kind of lyrical and very introspective book. Mm. You know, yeah. Have you looked into Native Americans and the stars? Yes. And I found this interesting and, and I think I may use that or mm-hmm. use some of it uh, that is called. So here in El Paso, it used to be 
Pueblo, Pueblo Indians, I believe. That's what uh -huh. it says here, that we're here before anybody else, right? And um, and there's a folk story that they have about the the neglected child. The Pleiades. No? Which one is that one? The Pleiades. What is that one about? Oh, okay. I, I thought it was the same story, but go ahead. Keep going. No, okay. Well... Tell me about that one too. Well, the one that I that I researched that I saw, same. it may be the same. It's um, about the neglected child. How, um, yeah, the neglectful mother. I'm sorry. Oh. How there there was a a mother had two children, a, a smaller one, a baby, and an older one. And then the older one was taking care of the baby one, and the baby one wanted to be nursed. And the older one will bring the baby to the mom, but the mom was uh, doing baskets and, and weaving and all of that. And then she just said, just come back later. I'll nurse her later. And, and she did that like four times until then the sister took the baby and she took the baby away. And then they ended up being uh, going into the cedar tree because I don't know, the mom neglected them or, or something like that. Or I think it was the goddess or mother crow. There we go. The mother crow just kind of like told the children to go into the cedar tree and they went into the cedar tree and the, like that took care of them and they found nourishment there because the mom wouldn't give them nourishment. That kind of touched me, you know, I love that. Yeah. It, it, that it, sounds perfect. It aligns with the backstory of my character, you know, because oh, so that's what, yeah, I was trying to look so for something it. that aligns. Yeah. And, that's and, perfect. Yeah. And that's what I was doing since like six this morning. <laughs> ah. <laughs> but do you need more? Cause that sounds really good. I was, I'm going to research this one a little bit more because there are more variants to this story. Mm. And I just want to have, I want to have the, the, the mythology correct. So that way I don't, because I don't want to offend. I don't want to uh, right. say, say the wrong thing, you know, and, and things like that. So I want to get the story correctly and kind of draw from that story um, as to why she sees something in the stars. Because once again, this is a very introspective character that doesn't like to share too much and gets embarrassed quite a lot. So a lot of these things are internal to her, you know, and her going through these things and not sharing so much. Love. So, yeah. Yeah. Love. Love, yeah. love, 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 love. Oh, that sounds so good. And you're so smart to use like Pueblo mythology and Pueblo uh -huh. stories and Pueblo. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Because it's set in El Paso. And El Paso yeah. is beautiful. And I, I have several poems when it comes to the desert. And it's because I draw so much inspiration from this town. Um, because the, even the, the cactus, everything, it's like the desert is not barren. And I hate it that people always equate the desert to barrenness, right? The desert is fertile. You, it, it just, you just got to look deeper and you're going to see all the things that grow. And if anything, it's more fertile than, than the tropical places because it fought. The desert fights every day to grow what it grows, you know, against the sun, against the dryness, against the wind. It just, it grows. It's fertile, but it's fertile with like a violence, you know, with so much force that it doesn't come easy to it. And maybe that's why everything is so prickly here because it's almost doing it, you know, <laughs> against against the odds. You know, it's like, I'm going to show you that I can grow things. And now you won't even be able to touch it because I'm going to draw, you know, <laughs> I'm going to grow it with spikes on it. So yeah, no, I love the desert. And this, this town is very inspiring. And I'm going to write even more stories that takes place in this town because it's near and dear to me. I love it here. El Paso Tourism should hire you immediately. <laughs> immediately. Hit me up. I'll do tours too. <laughs> oh my goodness. So remember you told me that uh, El Paso was in the very far west of Texas. Mm -hmm. And I'm yeah. sad to say I am not very well versed at Texas geography. So I looked at a map and I was shocked at how huge El Paso yes. is. And then I learned it is the seventh 
largest city in America? Yes. Like, what? That's yes, huge. Robin. It's huge. It, it, people just have the wrong impression when it comes to El Paso. And I think a lot of that has to do a little bit with racism and biases that we have against immigrants and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. against our neighbor people. country. Yeah, brown mm-hmm. people. Um, because we're right next to Mexico. Mexico mm-hmm. is closer to us than New Mexico, which is the right. next state over, you know. Um but but because of those biases, people automatically assume that this is a bad town. Um, it uh, socioeconomic is worse than what it is, or they feel like it's very violent. Once again, because more brown people are here, so sometimes we equate violence with brownness. And uh, but that's not that; those are not correct assumptions. Like, and I always say, like I've been to because of the military, I've moved around a lot. And I've been to very well-to-do neighbors because I I try to go into the well-to-do neighbors because I've been a single mom for so long and I just want to be safe wherever I am. And um, and honestly, I've gotten um, robbed in those neighborhoods more often than here. Here in El Paso, this is my second time being stationed here. No robberies. No one has broken into my place like they did in other well-to-do in other states. Yeah, I got my place got broken in in other states uh, twice. My car got broken in three times. And 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 that was in a a well-to-do paying top dollars for to be renting in that neighborhood. And and those things have happened to me. And and here in El Paso, you know, and people have this perception that it's so violent. Guess what? None of those things have ever happened to me. None of those things. John agrees. Right, John? Wow. John's telling it like it is. Yes, he is. (laughs) (laughs) So interesting because, uh, yeah, I'm still back on seventh largest. Mm -hmm. I knew Houston was a very large city. And, of course, we've all heard of Dallas. Oh, yes. Yes. I just hadn't heard of El Paso. I Mm. like hearing you talk about El Paso because I, first of all, have never lived in, I've never lived in Texas. Um, and so it's fascinating to hear about Texas and I am not fond of the drier climates. The clo- I have never lived in the desert. I, the closest I've ever come is I lived in Colorado for a spell and Ooh. Colorado part. There is desert in Colorado, brief little bits. Uh, also there's mountain, the altitude. Obviously. Yeah. The altitude mm-hmm. is a big deal and it is drier and browner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just fascinating it's so interesting when you talk to people. It's not just interesting what they like. It's interesting why they like it and how they describe it and what they have to say about it. So I love what you've said about the desert. Fascinating. <laughs> yes. Do you ever have sandstorms? Is that a possibility for you, sandstorms? Yes. <gasps> oh, my you goodness. Do. Yes. And we have tumbleweeds. Let me tell you my first time ever seeing a tumbleweed, right? So my sister and I, uh, we used to watch Bonanza back in the day, the translated version that aired in the Dominican Republic when we were little. And um, everything gets translated, by the way. I know people like, like, really? You used to watch that in Spanish? A lot of like popular shows were translated and that's how we watched it over there in the Dominican Republic. So I just thought that those were things that you see, you know, in Hollywood made shows that I will never see something like that in real life. And here I was in El Paso, my first time being here, and I'm in the highway and I almost freak out when a tumbleweed crosses the highway right in front of me. I I, like I've never geeked out so hard in my life. Joel, what's a tumbleweed? It's a, a tumbleweed is basically just dried up a dried up bush that that sounds kind of sexual, but it's a it's a uh, <laughs> wait what? <laughs> it's a dried up bush that has yeah. um, that has been so dried up that even the roots has have dried up and, and shriveled up, and now it is above the ground. And since we get high winds over here, El Paso is known for its high winds. By the way. You, oh. you gotta, you gotta hold on to the light post, baby, over here. It will, yeah. It like it moves me. It moves cars. So that dried up bush that now have like no roots or anything like that, and it's above ground now, just gets you know thrown about because of the wind. So just imagine that, just a big bouquet of uh, dried up um, tentacles coming across mm-hmm. 
the street. It's, and it's beautiful. And st- <laughs> it can hurt, though, when it hits you. It can hurt. It can hurt, yeah. And it may yeah. damage your paint on your car as well. Yep. I don't drive anything fancy. I'm good with what I have. But yeah. <laughs> Paid for is my favorite brand of car. I oh, don't know about you. My, mine too. No car payments is my favorite yeah. type of car. <laughs> that's my favorite brand. I think that's the best brand in the world. <laughs> my preference every time. Paid for. Same, 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 same. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good way to live. <laughs> yeah. Tumbleweeds are kind of eerie but romantic and yes. mystical all at the same time yes. it's amazing I, and they can be so graceful depending on how hard the wind is blowing yes and i i think i don't think people sometimes know the the magic that is part of the desert the magic that mm. is part of the climate of the desert you know just just the winds and i have wind chimes in my house and it's like i swear i think they're talking to me you know it's a melody and you know just things like that when John is so ferocious. So <laughs> when we go right in the military, when we go out and we do training and we're outside, you know, just under the stars, right? Oh, good story here. Um, it was like, I listened to nature sounds to go to sleep. I, I listened to that. I don't know why I just need to listen to nature sounds and it's owls is, you know, all the, all the things, right. That creep in the dark to me, that's soothing. Go figure. And, um, but guess what? I don't need that speaker when I'm outside under the star doing training for the army because I get it for free. <laughs> we have everything. We have the wind. We have the rustles. We have the coyotes far away, you know, making their sounds. Um, we have uh, birds as well. A-, a little bit of everything. And and to me, that's that's so magical. That's so soothing. I just I, I love it. What can I say? I love that you love it. Like I enjoy your enjoyment of it. <laughs> I do. What kind of winds? How is there kind of an average wind speed? Ooh. That seems like an odd question. Just daily. No. Yeah. Yeah. So the highest that we have had it, that I have seen it thus far, besides John's bark, is 39 miles per hour. But how is that? Because, right? In the UK and in Ireland, we don't do miles per hour, right? So I don't know what's the difference. Don't worry, I will translate. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but that's that's uh, thirty nine miles per hour is when we get the high wind alert here. But on the normal, on the regular, I think we're usually like at ten, ten ish, ten fifteen, which is not that bad. That's normal. Friends, that thirty nine miles per hour converts to sixty two kilometers per hour. That's a brisk wind. It is. It is. And we need to have goggles and, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's yeah, a little bit you... like Mad Max. Have you seen Mad Max? Yes. Yes. Especially because you have all the sand and mm-hmm. so it's all airborne. It's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I wear we glasses get... every day, so it helps. But for mm. people that don't, it's very important for people to have, you know, something to protect their eyes. Eye protection. So that way you don't get, yeah. You don't get yeah. the little micro sand things in your eye oh yeah you can get corneal abrasion from Mm -hmm. that yeah it can damage your eyes it's fascinating hearing you talk about that and your temperatures now i'm a little confused since this has become a travelogue about el paso and why not Mm -hmm. i'm a little confused about your temperatures because i thought it was very hot you're very far south Mm -hmm. and yet it has snowed two three times this winter maybe more that's so weird so the first winter that i had in el paso many moons ago when I was first stationed here, we had proper snow, like snow, snow, right? Where it was actually, we can actually make a snowman out of it. And um, according to Elpisonians, that is, that was rare back then. That usually what happens is what you saw on my video on IG stories, which is just snow that doesn't stick and that it just turns to to wetness, to water as soon as it touches the ground. But it's so weird. My husband and I was laughing about this yesterday because we already in spring and that's when we get the snow, air quotations here, right? Is is during the spring. Because El Paso doesn't really have a winter. Our winter is maybe like a week or two in February. That's it. And after that, we just go 
now we're in the 70s, you know, 70 degrees Fahrenheit. And 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 soon we're going to be in the 80s, 90s. And then boom, in June, we're like already breaking 100, 110, 120 towards the end of the summer. And it, it gets it gets really, really hot, but it's dry. That's that's the caveat that I want to make is that it's dry heat. And, and I know it sounds really hot. But because it's not humid heat, it doesn't stick to you. It's not uncomfortable like that. Because I've been on the Northeast, where is that sticky heat? Florida, my sister lives in Florida. That is miserable. I cannot do that kind of heat. This heat here in El Paso that is dry heat, I can do this kind of heat. Yeah, Florida is a rough one. I lived in Florida for a bunch of years in South Florida. And oh God, yeah. The sticky you're sticky every minute yeah. of the day. There's never enough air conditioning. It's, you come out the shower, you're rough. sticky. Yes. Yeah. It's I did not that is not for me personally. I know people <laughs> love that, but that is not oh, I cannot. nothing about me is geared for that. <laughs> Nothing at all. Not can you trans? Can you translate the hundred and a hundred and ten to Celsius? Because I don't know that translation. So those are temperatures. Joe is talking about regular summer temperatures that often occur in El Paso in excess of forty degrees Celsius, approaching fifty degrees Celsius, which we all realize is too hot. <laughs> That's rough. That's the kind of temperature where not you can't cook an egg on a car or on a sidewalk. Yeah, you could. It's too hot. It just burns up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that so the rough. El Paso has a few monikers. One of them is Hell Paso. <laughs> oh, I can, mm, I can kind of understand. Hell Paso. Hell Paso. Yeah. Do you, so you have a, you said you're upstairs. So you have a two story house. Mm -hmm. You must have separate air conditioning upstairs and downstairs. Yes. Yes. We yeah. have two, two air conditioning units in the house. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Friends, in some climates, if you live somewhere more moderate like I do, you might not know. In some climates, it's so hot that they have an entire separate air conditioning system upstairs and an mm -hmm. entire separate air conditioning system downstairs yeah. because otherwise upstairs would be unlivable. It would yes. be unusable. Yeah. So heat rising and all those things. I'll and pretend we I understand physics. I don't. <laughs> transfer, it heat transfer. I'll use words. Heat transfer and molecules sounds and so smart. things. Yeah. <laughs> you so smart. <laughs> and then we also have, I bought for the house some curtains, those thick, thick curtains that don't allow any light in as well as the heat waves. They're they're like, they have like these extra layers to them. Blackout drapes. We yes, love those. Blackout, love drapes. blackout drapes. Yeah. So I have those on all the windows where the sun rises. So that love. way, yeah, because then, like you said, it'll be, yeah, it'll be miserable. Because my my office here, too, I get the sun uh, first thing. So it's very important for me to have these here. So that way I'm able to write comfortably and not feel like I'm in a sauna while writing. <laughs> Do you park your car inside at work? No. In a garage? My car is parked outside. So because Ouch. the garage is taking up by my gym equipment that I haven't used in a long time. And um, yeah, so that is there now. So that means I have to start my car early on. Uh, so that way it can it can either warm up when it's the winter or or cool down when it's the summer. Good news bear here is that I leave so early on that it really mm. doesn't, you know, it really mm -hmm. doesn't bother me that much. And then once I'm at work, I'm at work. I really don't come out of there until the sun goes down. So I literally go to work when the sun is down and I come back to the house when the sun is down again. Very depressing, but that's my life right now. <laughs> well... Yeah. What time is sunset early in El Paso still this time of year? Yes. Sunset is still mildly early. We haven't changed Four. our time yet, but I think we're close to changing our time. Mm -hmm. um, well, the sunrise is like around, I want to say around six and I usually leave the house around five, 15. Oh, and that's um, early. Yes. Yes. It's early. I got a lot of things to do. And um <laughs> And then I don't usually come back until like six something, almost seven in the evening to the house. And and by then, yes, the sun is either already down or coming down. That's a long day. 
I, I have long days. Yeah. My that's job requires long, day. long days. Uh, that's why my time is so limited, you know? Yeah. I have long days. <laughs> we need to get you a different job. Just oh. saying. Just an idea. Just saying. Just putting that out I to the know, universe. I know. So, so you, so you see, what, like I try, I try to really take advantage. And, that, and I think that's why I get up at four in the morning because I, I really do try to take advantage of that hour before I go into work. Because once I go into work, it's all my time is, is spent yeah. there doing yeah. that. Yeah. And then once I come home, I just want to spend time with the hubs and my son, you know, not really yes. do anything else. So yeah, the story of my life, people. There you go. <laughs> it's good for now. It's good for now because it's getting you what you want for now. And then in the future, you'll just transition into yeah. something new and wonderful. Yes. So it's perfect. I was telling my husband, man, once I retire, all that time I'm going to use for writing and doing creative endeavors. I was like, wow, that's going to be wild. I bet you'll need, this is just the theory, but I bet you'll need something else too, like either oh, a yeah. hobby yeah. or yeah. I'm taking up gardening. Hey, I love yeah. gardening. If the bookstores don't take me, but it's either the bookstores, Starbucks, or gardening. <gasps> Imagine, I don't know <laughs> if Starbucks gives free coffee to their, I to don't the baristas. Know, oh, but they probably that. should, shouldn't they? All the, the stories I will have for the podcast when I become a barista after I retire, it'll be insane. I, I just, I love that. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I have romanticized the idea of being a barista and also of being a bookseller at a bookshop. Yeah. I have romanticized both to like the end of time. Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> it is not as it is that romantic like that. as I no. imagined. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure any barista listening to us right now will be like, yeah, not facts right now. <laughs> yeah. Here's my, I, I'm not big into romance, friends. It's just not how I'm wired. But here's my ideal romantic movie. She reaches for a book on the shelf. Barnes and Noble, her favorite place. <gasps> her hand brushes across someone else's, <gasps> reaching for the same book. They turn, each facing each other, both holding the book. It's you, she says. <laughs> it's you. She says, that's my romance right there. And all they do is talk ah, about the book. Yes. yes. And I don't care about their, I don't <laughs> care if they're male, female. I don't care. Just talk about the book. We'll be good. Oh, that's my story. That's I've written a romance. Th Yay. That's how you and I are going to meet. We got to meet at a, at a local bookstore now. <gasps> <laughs> I don't, I might be, it might not be the best place. For me to meet with you, I'm going to explain why. Why? I'm very, I will be very, very distracted. <laughs> Not kidding. I, there is some magic about books. I, yes. I go into a Barnes and Noble. I haven't been in one in so long. I Aww. really miss a big bookstore. I haven't been in a bookstore in, oh, let's not talk about that. Too sad. But, I go into a big bookstore and I just shift gears somehow and my husband will try to talk to me and it's like his voice, his mouth is moving, but I don't hear But anything. you don't hear anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just mesmerized. Yeah. And I'm a, I touch the books and I caress the books yes, and I look at the books yes. and I look at the covers. And I, I steal oh. a sniff every once in a while when people are not looking. Yeah. It's, it's a certain smell to new books and it's a certain smell to it's different true. pages as well. Different it's books true. spell differently depending on the pages that they're used, the type of pages. It's true. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, my husband does the same thing. He goes straight to the magazine aisle. He's like, I'll see you when you're done. I was like, yeah, babe. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it'll be a while. Yeah. And the, yeah. the more non-book items there are in the store, mm, the more disapproving I will be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just books. Games are, I suppose. But you know, I've been to a bookstore. I think it was called Books a Million. And oh, yeah. They had more non-book items. And like just random toys and household goods and clothes and oh wow, then books. And I felt like, hey, this is false advertising. I don't like it. I'm on a bookstore. Huh. That's not the books a million. I remember they must have like changed well, there's their a bunch of them. Oh, I'm sure oh, okay. there's a bunch of them. They're probably yeah different yeah. locally. I believe that one was in North Carolina. Oh, okay. If I am not mistaken. 
I I do still, we've talked about this before, but it is still a dream for me to have my own bookstore that serves coffee mm-hmm. and where writers can come. And, yes. and Kate Kavanaugh, I was watching a Kate Kavanaugh author tube video and she talked about the same dream. And I was like, I think we share writers, the same dream. Yeah. <laughs> do all writers have this dream? Is this like the ubiquitous? Is this the tell me you're a writer without telling me you're a writer kind of secret? Yes. Code? Yes. It's the dream of your life. <laughs> now, at mine, I want to sell art. I want artists to be able to come to and display their art on the walls yeah. and they can sell their art. But she talked about having a display for for books that had been written there at that coffee shop. Oh, and I thought, wow, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I like that. I love that so much. I still want oh. like, well, yeah, yeah. That's my vision as well. Along, like I said, with like poetry readings and, and things like yes. that. I just, I really want it to be a community hub. You know, whenever yes. I see a bookstore, I want it to be like a community hub that is just free for people to meet there, you know, without having to spend any money. Just come and meet and chat and be human beings. That's, Yeah. That's what I want. Oh, I love that. That's like a writing, like a writing center or like a mm-hmm. writer's community yeah. center. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. I love that. I want to have art lessons at mine too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to have writing That's lessons. That's going to be out the back. Yeah. That's going to have a little separate entrance. Mm-hmm. I've not thought about this extensively where, mm-hmm. so kids can come in and come out and take their art lessons with their little messy hands mm-hmm. and not, um, and not, you know, come into the area where we're quiet and doing our work. Yeah. <laughs> That sounded harsh, but I meant it to be loving. Hey, but we'll display the trucks on the outside because I want street food as well. (laughs) Friends in Ireland, have you? Do do you guys have food trucks? Food trucks? Have I ever seen a food truck in our? I have never seen a food truck in Ireland, but that doesn't mean we don't have food trucks. Um, But I have never seen a food truck in Ireland. Maybe you just haven't seen it, but. Yeah, that's something to Google later on. But let me tell you, one of the things El Paso is known for is for their cuisine. It's so good. We have so many food trucks here. We're going to go for taquitos later on, actually. Mm. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's the way to my heart. A little, little jealous about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This says that we have. Oh, you do? Food trucks in Ireland, but remember, I have never seen them. And remember, too, unfortunately, in the pandemic, a lot of businesses have closed. I am sorry yeah, to say. Yeah. So and you're away from the city, too, right? I am where you live. Far, yeah, away from the city. So yeah, yeah. So it may, they may West be in Cork, the- Donegal. Oh, Donegal! I love Donegal Sligo, Antrim, Kirk. County down. <laughs> what kind of food do they have? What kind of street food Ireland has? Uh, fish and chips. Ooh. Fish and curry you can get from a chipper. See, we have chippers everywhere, right? And so you go to a chipper for quick food and you get, you know, fish and chips or you get curry chips or you get a curry. Those are the like the main things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have, um, what is it called? Southern fried chicken. Ooh, mm-hmm. I love fish and chips, though. I really wanted some yesterday when we went to that gathering. It was API battered uh, fish with chips. Oh, so good. It looked like humongous. It took, but you know, American portions, though, are huge. So maybe that's, yeah. that's what it is, too. Because this fish overtook the whole plate. Fresh fish and chips is lovely with a nice mm-hmm. vinegar, malted mm-hmm. vinegar. Oh, mm-hmm. malted vinegar. I love malted vinegar. It's funny how you expect vinegar to make something bitter, but then malted vinegar on chips makes it, it's almost sweet. It has a sweet, yeah. Sweet yeah, but in a good it. way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Love I'm that. I'm all about that. Hey, and thank you for the chips, like the potato chips you said. Oh, the crisp. Too. The yes. crisp, yeah. Those are, um, that's an Irish brand made locally. And like I told you, there's Tato Park. <laughs> and very Irish flavors. Very I love very it. Irish I didn't know salt and vinegar was, you know, an Irish thing. I thought that was only. I discovered salt and vinegar is when when I went when I immigrated to the states and went to, to live in New York, and that became my favorite favorite chips since then. Mm. Salt mm-hmm. and vinegar. It's been my favorite. I love it. 
When I first moved to Ireland, I, I was surprised that cheese and onion is the, like, that's the one that everybody makes. Every kind of brand of crisp here makes cheese and onion. And it's not the same cheese and onion like, like, like I had what in we America. Have over here. Yeah, not at all. But there you go. But that's, uh, but that's it. And the bacon, <laughs> I find the bacon <laughs> crisps kind of funny. <laughs> but um, my husband likes them. So there you go. I was going to say my son likes them. The the barbecue bacon that you said. Yeah. All, all he needed to see was the word bacon on, on it. And then, yeah, it was like game, game over. <laughs> that is so Irish. And usually on the back, I don't know, because those are small packets. But if it was a bigger packet, like a family size packet of crisps, it would have the name of the far the type of the potato that the crisps were made from and the name of the farm where it came from in the county, Aww, which I love. That's so nice. Yeah. I love that. It's a nice thing about living in a small country. You know, in America, everybody talks about like farm to table. Yeah. But in Ireland, if you said that in Ireland, people would just laugh because all food is farm it's to table farm in to Ireland because yeah. it's so local, <laughs> which is brilliant. I mean, we have very fresh food all the time. Yeah. You know, y'all really live far. the farm to table life for real. Yeah. All day, every day, even on Sunday. All day, every day. <laughs> yes. That yes. Awesome. So friends, if we hadn't convinced you yet, please <laughs> consider coming to El Paso for a trip, a nice tour of the desert, greeted and assisted by Johanny Ortega. Truly. <laughs> yes. I will show sure. you tumbleweeds. <laughs> <laughs> or a wonderful trip to Ireland. But friends, now it is time to save the world. One, One book. book at a time. <laughs> I guess they're both excited about it. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>